All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Episode 66 of the Garageville Podcast. Thanks for listening along with me. I'm your host, Jason Hallman. Before we get started, I want to thank the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company for always supporting the Garageville Podcast. The folks over at Bell Power Sports, making sure that I have a safe helmet to wear that's comfortable. The new carbon eliminator. Good field of view and uh, fits my Lexan FT4 Pro perfectly. Folks over at Electric Lighting, the best warranty the best LED lighting in the V-Twin industry. Go check them out at namccp.com. The High Seas Rally, next October, I'm going to be on the High Seas Rally. So are my friends. If you go there and book a cabin, you'll get a free drink card. Save you hundreds of dollars. You won't have to belly up to the bar with your wallet every time you go. Folks over at teamdreamrides.com. There's stores in Stockton, California, and Maryville, Tennessee. My good friend, John Jessup, Tom Jessup, and James Sanborn. Go check those dudes out, whether you're in Tennessee or California or online. And hey, don't forget about 1620 USA, the best quality American-made workwear guaranteed for life. Yes, it costs a little bit more, but I'm going to help you with that. Go to their website, 1620USA.com. Use the code SPEEDMETAL, all caps, and you're going to save 20%. Today, we're going to talk about something I think is super important in business, right? We're kind of moving towards being more of a business-type podcast, and I've got some big announcements to make here. I'm real close to signing a deal with a publisher for my first book. It's going to be a business book. You guys are going to hear about it first. It's called The ADD Entrepreneur's Guide to Small Business. I'm super excited to have it come out. It'll be out by Christmas, it looks like. But right now, it's time to start thinking about thinking big. The Garageville Podcast, episode 66. Let's get this thing out on the track. Welcome back to the Garageville Podcast. As always, I am your gracious host, Mr. Jason Hallman. Um, listen, so, you know, I've got a lot of questions about the format change, and really it's more about the information that I need to get out to the general public. Um, there's lots of different podcasts out there, and I know that the Fast Life Garage, that's a very entertaining podcast. There's Five Dirty Bikers. SNS has their new Performance Times podcast, and those are all awesome podcasts. I listen to all of them. Danger Dan. There's even one, uh, Steve at Speed Kings has one. These are all great motorcycle podcasts, but nobody's talking about the real ins and outs of business, right? So here's something that you need to know. Back in 2012, I was running Cycle Stop USA. 
I was teaching high school auto shop in Pasco County, Florida, full-time. It was not something that was planned. It kind of just happened. I found myself in either the right or the wrong place at the right or the wrong time, depending on how you're looking at it. But I have always felt like I was an entrepreneur. And I'm sure if you're listening to this right now and you're in business for yourself, you're an entrepreneur. And you might be driving down the road right now in your truck or your company-provided vehicle, and you may be thinking to yourself, well, I want to own a business. I want to get into business. I'm talented. I'm passionate. I'll work hard for myself. I'll work hard for other people. And if that's the case, then you might just be an entrepreneur, right? It's an being an entrepreneur is not actually just working for yourself. Being an entrepreneur is thinking for yourself and acting on those thoughts and looking further down the road than just kind of getting up every day to the same alarm clock sound, putting on the same work boots, getting in the same work truck, going to the same workplace. And I don't have a problem with that. If you work for somebody else, that's fantastic. God love you because you make the world go round. But the fact is that most people are employed by small business. So that then that bears to, that bears to say, okay, what is a small business, right? Well, I want to establish what I consider a small business, okay? I consider a small business any profitable enterprise that employs at least one full-time employee in addition to its principal and has an annual gross receivables of between $100,000 and $750,000. Now, that's my definition of it. That doesn't mean that's your definition of it. Small businesses can range in description from, you know, uh, a family-owned heating and cooling company that employs 30 people. And does, you know, three or four million dollars a year. That's still a small business in the grand scheme of things because they employ lots of different people. But what I want to look at, <coughs> excuse me, I'm still getting over my my cold from Sturgis, um, is what does your business look like, right? A lot of you that listen to this podcast, and I know this because you send me DMs, you're you're sitting in your small, your small family owned business, right? And if you're here today and you were in business yesterday and you're going to be here tomorrow, then you're successful. Success comes in all different shapes, sizes, colors, everything. There is not one way to, de to define success. You define success individually based off of how you feel about things are going. And that's important because perception is reality, right? If your customers perceive you to be successful that in their eyes, you're successful. If your friends view you as successful, then the per their perception or their reality is the perception that you're successful. Now, sometimes in business, we find ourselves getting mired down in profit and loss statements and credit card statements. And the general minutia that all businesses have to go through, right? All businesses have to go through it. So that's why I want to talk about today, thinking big. Now, I, as I mentioned in the, in the preview to the show or in the intro to the show, I have a book coming out. In 2012, when I was teaching high school, I sat down and I started writing a series of essays, some longer than others, but they were all my perception of my reality as it related to business. Now, you got to remember, I moved up my family from 
Detroit, Michigan, down to Tampa, Florida area in 2010 with the full-on intent of starting a corporation that was going to be multifaceted, have multiple locations, multiple streams of income. And my goal was to scale that up to it could be a nationwide brand, right? And that brand was Cycle Stop USA. And how Cycle Stop USA came about was in 2003, my father and I started a small parts business. And I learned very quickly that in the motorcycle business, it was very different than the car business. In the motorcycle business, most people didn't work on their own motorcycles, okay? Um, that's just, that was just a fact of what was going on at the time. I was uh, engaged for a very long time in the automotive industry in Detroit. And in the automotive industry in Detroit, people worked on their own cars. I worked for Super Shops, which was a national speed shop that had 165 locations. Uh, prior to that, I worked for Ram Chargers, which was a regional speed shop that had seven locations. So I had always been around these successful entrepreneurs that understood how to create a business model that was repeatable. And so I was sitting there in my, in my motorcycle shop in 2008 is where it started. And I realized that we were seeing the same customers for the same things over and over again. And those were the things that I needed to build my business plan off of. And business plans are super important because they tell you kind of a, it gives you an opportunity to kind of build your story build a plan of where you want to go. It's, it's think of it. If you're going to sit down and, and go on vacation and you're going to rent a motorhome and you're going to start in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you want to end up somewhere in Wyoming, well, you're not going to, you're not going to take that trip in a start in a straight line. There's going to have to be planning somewhere along the way. You're going to have to fill up with fuel somewhere along the way. Even if you're cooking out of that RV, you're going to have to stop and you're going to have to get supplies. You're going to need milk, eggs, bread, mayonnaise, bologna, the whole deal. And so there's going to be stops along the way. And so you have to think about business in the same way. You know, a trip from Charlotte, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida is, is not a big trip. Driving from Charlotte, North Carolina to Cheyenne, Wyoming is a very big trip. And it's a very different trip than going from Charlotte to Jacksonville. And so you're going to, it's going to require many different pieces and in, in, in parts, you know, uh, it, not so much anymore, but there was a time not that long ago when traveling across this country that you had to have cash. There were some gas stations that simply didn't take credit or debit cards. And there were people, there were a lot of people that didn't have a debit or a credit card to be quite honest with you. And so you had to have some cash with you, Right. And so you got to start thinking about all the different things you need if you're going to drive across the country. And, and scaling a business up isn't that much different. I'm just using it as an analogy to say, look, nothing happens without a plan, substantive and, and positive. So being successful in any business is more than just a simple challenge. You know, even running a small family-owned retail shop is probably one of the more difficult businesses to start. The challenges that small business owners face do not necessarily compare with what a large company faces. And likewise, 
small businesses are not going to encounter the type of operational barriers that are constantly present in a large corporation's daily routine. But both types of businesses can learn from the differences and similarities of the other, and both businesses are likely going to benefit at times by drawing from each other's experiences when the call arises. So I want to tell you a quick little story. And this quick little story is something that happened recently. Uh, you know, business as a business entrepreneur, as a business owner, things I do inside my business affect my customers, my employees, my family, my vendors, and their businesses. And subsequently, it affects their vendors and their family. And their vendors and their family, it's, a, it's, an unending, it's an unending process if you're moving forward. You have to decide right out of the gate whether you want to have a big business or a small business. And you may never get to a big business, but you have to think like a big business. There are certain things that happen through the course of running a day-to-day motorcycle shop, because that's what I do. That unfortunately, whether you like them or don't like them, it is something called the cost of doing business. So recently I had an interaction with one of my vendors. This is a vendor that came to me uh, when I needed the services that this vendor offered. And this individual was doing it on the side. And most businesses, I think, start with somebody doing something on the side. Even if you're cutting hair, you start cutting hair out in the basement right? And then you move to getting your beautician's license or your barber card through going to a cosmetology school or a barber college. And then you intern and you scale up and you go work for somebody else. And, but ultimately it's all the same thing. It's all the same process. It's just different stops along the way, right? You can get to Cheyenne, Wyoming from Charlotte, North Carolina, driving across 10 and going up or driving across 80 and coming down. There's no one singular linear method to success. You have to be able to pivot and move and accept your failures and accept your shortcomings and scale things up. So if you start out thinking, hey, look, I'm going to do this job and this job pays this much money and these are my bills. And so my bills are less than this job. So this is my profit, right? At the end of the month, I'm going to have X number of dollars in profit and you just kind of plod along and you say, you know what? I only want one of these jobs a month. If I just do one of these jobs a month, I'll have this much money. The problem with that is if you're only capable to take on one job a month, then when the economy gets better and two and three and four jobs come in as opportunity and you don't have the resources to get those done in an expeditious manner at a level of quality that is what you deem to be what your quality standard is going to be, because let's face it, customers set expectations as business owners, we set standards. You are going to fail. It's 2021. You have got to decide if you're going to run a garage sale or retail establishment. And you know, and I'm always critical of people that run their businesses out of their house long-term. And let me explain to you why. If something walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. 
limiting yourself to say, hey, I'm only going to exist in this space is going to limit your ability to earn, but it's also going to limit your ability to learn. You're not going to be exposed to real world business challenges if you continue to run your business like a garage sale. And I'm being specific here at the same time, not trying to call somebody out, but this just happened to me. When I'm in business, my job, one of my jobs in business is to create opportunity, create opportunity for my customers, create opportunity for my family, create opportunity for my employees and create opportunity for my vendors. I'm trying to scale up my business all the time. If I'm dealing with you and you're a vendor and you're not trying to scale up your business, you are going to get left behind. Telling me in 2021 that I will only accept a check or only accept cash limits your ability to conduct business with me in the future. You need to think about that for a second. When you are creating limits to which you will function as a viable entity, you are limiting the amount of opportunity that is going to be afforded to you in the future. Now, that doesn't mean you go right out and rent a 5,000 square foot building and hire a bunch of people that you can't, but you have to make your business scalable. And take it from somebody that has had multiple locations multiple times, had them fail both times. I have failed in business. I'm not a failure in business, but I have failed. There's an old saying that says entrepreneurs never fail, but sometimes their ideas too. If you want to do some homework on this, there's a couple people that are super successful that failed going into business. Everybody, especially in the motorcycle community, knows what a GoPro is. A GoPro is a small camera that mounts to your helmet, it mounts to your motorcycle, it can mount to the side of a car. It has lots of use. It can be used underwater, it can be used skydiving, all those things, right? The guy that invented the GoPro got onto the, uh, I believe, the Forbes billionaire list some, somewhere around 2012, right? Go look at his history. That guy lost millions of dollars leading up to that. He was somebody that was, it's always been an entrepreneur. He's always been trying to move the needle. And sometimes as an entrepreneur, your ideas are going to fail. But you can always learn from those failures, right? Those are opportunities to learn. If you are trying to insulate yourself from failure, you're trying to insulate yourself from education because there is no education that comes to you like a failure. When you fail, you learn. If you don't try to pick yourself back up, then that failure defines you. But creating limitations when you're dealing with a company like mine, when you create business limitations, you create you create create opportunity limitations. Everybody on these pod that listens to this podcast has heard me talk about how I pay the people who work with me on a daily basis. Everyone that works with me on a daily basis has three things. They have an EIN number. They have a PayPal account that is a business 
PayPal account, and they have a business banking account. And they also get paid when the job is completed and the customer pays their bill. So we're kind of a collective, right? Everybody has a stake in our success. Everybody has responsibility in our failures. It's when we don't pick ourselves back up and learn from our failures that we cease to grow, that we cease to make things happen, that we cease to to move forward, that we cease to learn from these things. And so when you come to me, and it's happened many times, and you say, hey, look, this is all I can do. Well, that's all I'm going to let you do, right? I'm not going to let you, I will pull you along and I will give you more work than you can handle, more opportunity than you can handle, more chance to earn than you can handle just to see what you can do. And you have to do this to yourself. I do that to myself. If you look at at a daily basis of what I do right now, I run a motorcycle shop. I run a podcast that is a business with an EIN number that has vendors and customers. I'm now an editor for a magazine. And once a week I host an hour to an hour and a half long program that goes live on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. I do all of those things. In addition to that, I'm also a father. I'm also a husband. I'm also a homeowner. I have to maintain all these things. There are always more things to do than I can get done in a day because that's how I like to operate. And I like to be around people who like to operate in that manner. But you can't be big if you don't think big. You have to think big. I've always governed myself based off of being big, because that's what I wanted to be. If you want to, if, if you're an athlete and you want to be able to throw a ball, a football 50 yards, you have got to get out in that, in that field and you've got to start throwing balls and you're going to throw your arm out because your technique's not right. And you're going to fall short because you don't have the arm strength. So if you don't have the arm strength to throw a ball 50 yards, You're never going to throw the ball 50 yards if you don't develop the arm strength. That's going to require you to go somewhere else and do that. You're going to have to do some lifting. You're going to have to do some some cardio. You're going to have to do... You have to to feed the tool that you need to do the job correctly. And so thinking big is something that is the first step in any business, right? For me... When I started my very first business in 2003, I started with credit card debt. And if you ask any financial on the planner on the on the planet, they'll tell you that that's an that's not a way to do it. But undercapitalization can kill your business quicker than anything, right? There are three things that you will need to begin to think big. You need a business plan, and your business plan needs to have a concise plan of where you think you would like to go. And there are things that are going to happen in your business that are not on a business plan. Okay. You got to remember the easiest way to make a million dollars in business is to start with two. So everything needs to be treated with, with kid gloves. You have to think about all of it. It's nuanced. It's not an easy thing. And you have to also understand that your business, the number one thing that's going to impact your business growth is going to be your customer, 
Your customer is going to dictate what kind of business you're going to do. Your customer is going to dictate what kind of customer experience you're going to have. These are all components of your business that play very well into planning and pivoting and making moves so that you can take advantage of opportunities that you have in business. If you're creating limitations for your business now, how are you going to grow? If you're saying, I'm never going to move out of my home garage, eventually you're going to run out of opportunities in that home garage. Someone's not going to see you if you're working out of your home garage. They're not going to drive by. There's no sign in front of a home garage. Because as soon as you put a sign up, it's a commercial location. So that's going to require you to go out and, and pound the pavement, right? And maybe you're really good at what you do. And maybe you don't have to do that. Maybe you're going to, you have clients that bring stuff to you. Most people that work in their garages that are successful either work for somebody else in a public forum or they had their own business and they decided to shrink down, which that's something entirely different than what I'm talking about. It's one thing to impede growth. It's an entirely different thing to say, okay, I know where I need to be. I've done as many things as I need to do on the outside. So this is what my business is going to look like now. And I am going to shrink it. But that does not preclude you from conducting business as a regular business. In the motorcycle industry, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a vendor that's going to send you anything at wholesale to your house, which is going to limit your profitability. You can say all day long, well, I mark it up. Do you? Do you mark things up? If you buy things on the internet and you mark them up, your customer is eventually going to find out that they can, find, they, they can buy it on the internet for less than what you're charging them. And most companies, at least in this industry, are not going to sell to you if you work out of your house. There's very few instances where that will happen. There are people that live in extremely rural areas that don't have, um, that, that don't have a lot of in infrastructure. And those folks can, can sometimes get a, get a variance from a, uh, a distributor. But for the most part, you have to have a commercial location, a yellow page ad, a listing online, pictures of your showroom, pictures of your shop. Everybody that's in the motorcycle industry's already done this. The people I'm talking about are the people that refuse to do that. And by refusing to grow and allowing your business to expand to a natural level playing field, you are impeding growth. That says something to me. And, uh, and I'm very wary of working with people who do that. Now, that said, I've worked with lots of people that work out of their garages, but eventually I phase them out. I phase them all out. You either come work for me here or you get yourself a retail location to where we can do real business. And if you can't, then we're not going to do business all the time. And eventually I'm going to find somebody who wants to be a pro and wants to have a shop and wants to pay into this industry cannot survive off of a bunch of Instagrammers that do shit out of their house. It's just not going to work. People like myself and Chris and Becca Rang and uh, Tony Jones from Rebel's Den and uh, Ram Tony over at Ramjet, we pay a lot of money to have retail locations. We pay a lot of money to have liability insurance. We pay a lot of taxes to employ other people. 
And we are not going to co-sign on somebody who is not going to move out of their garage. We may help you along the way, but as soon as we notice that you're done growing, then we're done growing. We're done helping you. We create opportunities. That's the thing. So the other day I had, I had a, a, a run in with, a, with a, a vendor and he listens to this and, and he knows exactly what I'm talking about and no one else needs to know who he is, but I'm, I am going to address this publicly because it's not the first time that it's happened. It's happened several times with vendors. We helped put him in business. I'm just going to call it what it is. We spent approximately $20,000 with him in the last 365 days. I think that's a pretty fair amount, especially for somebody working out of their garage who doesn't pay $3,000 for a retail location and $500 a month for liability insurance and isn't paying into sales tax and isn't paying into, uh, you know, all the other pieces and part advertising, right? All these things that I pay every month. And in this conversation, the reason why we're in this situation right now that we're in, he and I, is because he refuses to think big. He will not make moves to be a legitimate business. What he's doing is technically illegal. The type of work that he does is not legally allowed to be done at a commercial level where he's doing it, his home, right? So he has to do it with the doors closed. And he lives off the beaten path in a rural area. And I hate to be such a prick about this, but this is fresh in my mind and it's real and it's, and it's short-sighted and it's low-level thinking small. I get a letter from him and it says basically that because a certain company that handles payments through credit cards, because they haven't worked in the last year to establish a good history with that company, that company holds his money for an extended period of time. And the reason why this company does that, and this is the short-sighted nature of this individual, is because he hasn't established himself as a business. So instead of looking in the mirror and going, hey, wait a minute, I need to establish myself as a business so that I can grow, so that I can hire somebody to do the small little laborious tasks that I don't want to do anymore. He sends me a letter and says, hey, going forward, I will only accept check or cash. We'll check it out. Here's what you're going to accept from me. You're going to accept from me a credit card. If you do not accept credit card from me, I'm not giving you cash, and I don't write checks. Checks are IOUs. Checks are documents that are antiquated and used by absconders, and I'm neither. And I won't do it. I won't do it. Now, there's a total different thing if you came to me and say, hey, look, I'm giving you a good deal. I'm giving you a cash discount because I do this on the side at my house and you're not going to pay full retail. That's not the case. I'm not getting I'm not getting any benefit. I'm not getting a cash discount if I pay him cash and I'm not paying less than what I would pay somewhere else. I'm just not. I have been purchasing paint for custom motorcycles for 18 years. 
I have spent in one calendar year with one painter, I have spent over $100,000. I have done that with the same painter in one year. Every other painter I know has an EIN, a commercial location, pays their taxes, and operates as a business. And because none of these things are being met, he will not grow. This business will not grow. And my guess it is within one year, he'll either be back at his regular day job that he hated so much, or he will be forced into a commercial location, which is where he should be. And I, I have no empathy for that situation. I've been in that situation. If you don't want to go down that road, that means you don't want to be professional and I can't do business with you. End of. End of. And if you are working out of your garage right now, don't take this as a slight. What I'm telling you is if you're working out of your garage right now, and you're never intending on growing, then you're not thinking big. You're not moving the needle. You're not creating a plan for you to be able to exit properly and have your business go on. It means you don't want a legacy. All you want to do is live hand to mouth. And I don't want to live hand to mouth because if you own a business and you can't take two weeks off from that business and have that business make money while you're gone, you do not own a business. You own a job. And when you own a business, you should not conduct your transactions with your customers in a different manner because you didn't plan your finances correctly. Lack of planning on your part should never constitute an emergency on mine. Think about that. The next time you deal with somebody, if you're working out of your garage, that is a side hustle. It will always be a side hustle. I will always see it as a side hustle. I don't care how talented you are. I don't. This, this goes for every human being that I know in the motorcycle industry that is working out of their garage. It's just the way I feel about it. I spend money to be a legitimate business. You are taking the legitimacy out of your business if you're working at home. It's just the way it is. It's nothing but a side hustle. If your main source of income comes from a side hustle, you need to look at that. You need to think about that. The reason for establishing that a business needs to have at least one employee beyond the owner is for the business to have the ability to sustain itself beyond the first generation. There has to be a legacy plan built into a business. There are absolutely many successful businessmen and businesswomen that operate their own successful enterprises, but when they're gone due to death or retirement, their businesses are gone too. The purpose of this discussion is to establish working model practices will help develop the type of foundational pieces that allow businesses to maintain themselves even after the original proprietor has long moved on. This type of planning could provide an income stream that will afford the original proprietor a solid future 
and can leave a potential legacy for those that come into the fray after he or she are gone, right? This allows your children to inherit a path to success, not just inherit your money. It also gives your business value. One thing that people always, always forget is that you have your credit score and your business has a credit score. If you pay taxes, you rent a building, you conduct yourself as a business, your business has value. When you don't act like any of those things, you do not have value. You have liabilities. Think about it like this. Let's say you're a machinist and you went out into the world and worked for other people and did your, your apprenticeship and you got to be your fantastic machinist, right? Top notch. You know all the ins and outs. And then you, you know, one year you buy a bridge port and the next year you buy a mill or a, excuse me, a lathe. And you've got drill presses and tooling and all the things needed, surface, surface grinders and Maybe you've got a CNC, right? But when you're running that business out of a garage, there is no way for somebody to pick up that business and just insert themselves and pay you, right? You've created a liability for yourself. You just have. You've got to think big. If you want your business to be big, you know, businesses are like children. I have two kids, right? Both of them, both girls. One of them works here with me at the bike shop. The other one works for a giant corporation, not a small business, a very big multi-billion dollar corporation. Both of them have interest in entrepreneur stuff. Okay. They, they both are interested in business. One of the things that my wife and I determined very early on is we never baby talked our kids. We never treated our kids like kids. We treated our kids like the adults we were trying to raise because we weren't raising children. We were raising adults. I could have taken my children at any age to any restaurant, to any party, to anywhere. I could have taken them to, to have lunch with the queen and they knew how to act, knew how to talk, knew how to shake people's hands, knew how to make eye contact. They knew how to engage with the, the group of people that they were with. And I've always treated my business the same way. I didn't want some little bike shop. I've had little bike shops. In 2015, I had to close. I, I tried to open in 2014. I tried to open a second location. I found out a very, very valuable lesson in business. If you have location one too close to location two, location two borrows from location one and reduces the profitability and can cause the failure of both. That was a tough lesson. It cost me a lot of money. To be truthful, I'm still paying on it, right? But I'm still in business. I'm still here. So instead of having two lo two small locations that are about 3,000 square feet, each one of them, 20 minutes from each other. I now have one 8,200 square foot shop with lots of different micro businesses in it.
Everybody that works for me is an entrepreneur with an EIN, a business bank account, and a business PayPal account. They get paid when the bike gets picked up, right? That's the, that's the subcontractor order. This allows them to pivot. This allows them to take on advantages of business ownership. When you are existing in a square box in your backyard, you don't take credit cards, you're probably not paying taxes on all of your income, you're probably not claiming it, you're not collecting sales tax, which on a paint job you are technically supposed to be able to or supposed to be collecting on unless you pay full price uh, at the at the paint warehouse and that's getting off subject but I, i'm i'm speaking to somebody specifically one of the things he told me the other day during the conversation was that hit me hard was he said hey man i gotta worry about my business it told me everything i needed to know about his line of thinking is he a bad guy no he's not a bad guy is he misguided very He's very misguided. He's educated. He's worked for another business for a long time. And that's probably why he has the mindset that he has. But when he told me, when he said that to me, when he said, hey, man, I got to worry about my own business. I thought, okay, great. Now, what if I did that? Right? So if I stop working with him as a vendor, what does that affect? Well, first off, it affects his income. Because as I said, we've spent about $20,000 with him this year, in the last calendar year. I'm not his only customer, but that's how much money has passed through my business into his directly. Now, in addition to that, there are several customers that have gone directly to him, not through us. And I would say that that probably accounts for another 50%. Of what we've of what we spent on, so now we're looking at it in a year's time. I'm pretty good at, at guessing money. So now he's up to approximately thirty thousand dollars of business that I can say is directly related to my shop. Now of that, if we say cost of goods sold is ten, uh, let's say twenty percent. That's six thousand dollars, right? Well, that's $6,000 that his wholesale house doesn't have in business. And $6,000 probably isn't going to make or break any business. But I'll tell you what, 10 clients that spend $6,000 will, $60,000 in one calendar year will hurt pretty much any small business. Right? So there's a trickle-down effect. So if you do quick math... In the economy to scale, instead of only doing $30,000 in business in one year, right? If you say to this guy, listen, man, you need to hire somebody so you can get more work done. Well, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to do all the work himself, right? So what happens when he gets sick? How much work is he making? How much money is he making when, he, when he's sick? Zero dollars, Right? Let's say he wants to go on vacation for a week. How many dollars is he making? Zero. Right? I know that when I go on vacation, we don't make as much money as when I'm here. But we don't go out of business. We don't close our doors. And so that's what thinking big is all about. 
not only do you have to think outside of your business, but you have to think outside of your current situation. If you get sick and people have gotten, a lot of people have gotten sick in the last year and a half, they're not making any money. If you're owning your own business, you don't get paid vacations. Vacations cost me money. Every time I take a vacation, there's no way for it to make me money. But because I think big and I have employees and people that work with me and people that are generating income, I can keep things moving. So I believe that this individual misvalues his time, which our last episode of the podcast, we talked about how valuable time is, right? How valuable time is. And here's the thing in the conversation that I had with this individual this week, there was a quote for the job and the invoice came in with three additional hours of labor, right? And so I called him and I said, Hey, listen, man, you can't do that to me. You can't call me or send me, you can't just send me an invoice with three additional hours on there. If you don't, if you don't talk to me about it. And he went in to say about how he had to have somebody else do the labor and he had to hire his brother-in-law and you know, it's not his job. And, and I said, okay, fine. Fair dues. You still can't give me an hourly rate. I have a guy that I could have paid less to, to do it here, or I could have billed the customer for the additional labors of hour, but he didn't, or hours of labor rather, but he didn't want to have a confrontation on the front side and try to have to have to explain himself. He didn't want to think big. He just wanted to value his time afterwards instead of understanding the value of the time before he goes into it. I, I never seek to waste anybody's time. This is an individual that when we first started working together, undercut himself so bad that I told him, you can't charge me that. You have to charge more. You're not charging enough. This is the same guy that I told, listen, man, I don't want something for free. I value your time. You need to value your time too. So all of this made me think about talking to you guys today about thinking big. Are you thinking big? Do you want your business to be big? Do you want your business to be small? Even if you want your business to be small, you should still act big. You should still act complete. Regardless of how you conduct your business or where you conduct your business, you need to think a little bigger. It's going to serve you well. When you think big and act big, People assume you're big. Perception is reality. And how your clients perceive you is key to how much money they're going to spend with you. So let me give you an example. Let's bring this full circle and then we'll wrap this thing up. This individual that is painting motorcycles out of his garage, and there's lots of them around the country. Not only is he not thinking big internally, he's not thinking big externally. If you want to get a premium price for your product, your customer needs to have a premium experience. It's absolutely impossible 
to have a premium experience if you do not conduct your business like a real business. Remember, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Well, I certainly hope that everybody that listens to this podcast understands where I'm coming from. This is coming from 18 years of running my own business, dealing with vendors, dealing with lenders, dealing with customers. This is also drawing from my experience as a professional salesperson from 1990 to 2003 in the automotive industry. I've said it a lot of times. I seek to educate other podcasts, seek to, to entertain. I'm just trying to give you guys a little bit of insight on how I run my business. And you can take it or you can leave it. You can think I'm successful, not successful, however you want to put it. But one thing is certain. I'm always thinking big. And I want that for you. Burger King needs McDonald's. Dunkin' Donuts needs Starbucks. So I'll leave you with this. The next episode of the Garageville podcast, we are going to talk about competition. We're going to talk about healthy competition, and we're going to talk about unhealthy competition, unhealthy mentalities in business, and how those situations, when the going gets tough, those are going to be the things that are going to pull you down. Those are the things that are going to cost you the most money time is money. And as we learned in the last episode, time is the last thing you run out of and it's your most valuable asset. So I thank you for listening to the Garage Bill podcast. I hope you'd enjoyed it. If you didn't like it, send me a DM. If you did like it, send me a DM. Please share with everybody. A rising tide lifts all ships. I hope everybody has a great, prosperous day. I'll talk to you very soon. Have a good one.